Martin banks it off. Sutter is up with it there. Right around in front. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Leading goal scorer on the team. Drew one in front. It's the TC Martin Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson was at the front of the net. They are even. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. A power play goal by the captain. TC Martin. It's brushed on back by Richard Fartson. Right up front. Younger fan inside of the net. Score! is now in normally the doctor would be handing out prescriptions at this time stevie slapshot filling in for tc martin today we'll be here till four o'clock we're going to talk to dennis bernstein at 2 30 we're going to go to our major league correspondent in houston at three o'clock and then at 3 30 we'll wrap things up with jay cornegay from the westgate Stevie Slapshot with you for the first half hour. We're going to talk with my good buddy, Steve Karp, who's come into studio. He'll be with us for the full two hours. Steve's got uh, a new thing going on with uh, the Sporting uh, Tribune. Tell me more about the Sporting Tribune and what you're doing over there, Steve. Well, first of all, good to see you. Good to be seen. Good to be here again in KSHP in oh, the Brian Blessing Studio. Brian Blessing studio. Studios, yeah. I was thinking about Brian the other night. Uh when uh, the Golden Knights had their home opener and it was the first one, Brian was not with us. Right. And uh, I miss him terribly, as do you yeah. and, and stuff. Anyway, as for me, about oh, seven weeks ago, I was approached by Arash Burkazi, who people may remember from ESPN. ESPN and the LA Times and a couple of other ventures. And he asked me if I was interested in doing some writing for this new venture that he was launching called the Sporting Tribune. It was an online thing, and he wanted me to be his Las Vegas correspondent, much like Ed Grady is at the Review Journal. Right. And, you know, he told me about his vision and how I fit that vision, and I said, you know what, let's try it. So it's been about seven weeks now. I've been enjoying it immensely. I've been out to see the Raiders. I've been out to see UNLV. I've done a couple of columns on the Aces and, of course, the Golden Knights. I was even at the Silver Knights home opener last Friday okay. where they lost to Tucson. And I still hate the, the town crier, by the way. <laughs> what a buffoon. <laughs> that guy's a clown. The first town crier they hired was great. Okay, Remember? The I don't. First, the, their first year at New Orleans, they hired this guy to be the town crier, and he was hilarious. He didn't take himself too seriously, and and everyone loved him, and it was different. And they got rid of him, and they brought this other guy in, and he's real full of himself. I'm not a fan. Just like I'm not a fan of a lot of these retro, uh, yeah, reverse retro yeah, jerseys yeah. the NHL uh, unveiled today, including my Islanders one. I thought we were done with the fish sticks, but apparently we're not. <laughs> the Gordon's Fisherman. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I like it. You don't, you're don't. you an Islanders fan. You don't like it. I don't. Oh. But anyway, getting back real quick to the Sporting Tribune, this is a free thing. There's no paywall. Okay. You just go to thesportingtribune.com, and you can click on NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, soccer, whatever. 
college, and you'll find my work on anything Vegas-related. So okay. it could be UNLV football. It'll include UNLV basketball in the next week or so. Golden Knights, obviously. And, of course, the Raiders and the Aces. Anything on LeBron bringing a team here? Um, Have we ventured into Arash, that yet? Arash actually wrote about that when the Lakers were here to play preseason right. against, I believe it was the Suns and the Timberwolves. That sounds right. At T-Mobile? Yeah. And I think there's a good shot of that happening. You know, it was announced, was it yesterday, that Jackie Robinson's all net project over on the old wet wild side off of Sahara. Oh, I didn't. And, and Las Vegas Boulevard. I know nothing of this. Um, well, he, he's had this thing for about 10 years now that he was going to build this arena and a hotel and a casino and shops and restaurants and bars and all sorts of stuff. And finally, I think it was like a month ago, they... Uh, Started digging a hole for it. Okay. For the arena. Okay. The arena will be the first thing because obviously they'd like to beat the Oakview group right. to the punch right. and try to get an NBA franchise in Las Vegas. Okay. That's kind of the driving force behind it. Okay. But Oakview's got a few things up on Jackie. First of all, the people running Oakview group, the Lywickies, have a proven track record. They, they've been involved with teams, the, you know, the Raptors and and uh, Staples Center building that for the Lakers and the Clippers, as well as the Kings, and also they have Mark Bedane, the former Raiders president, involved in this thing. Okay, they have a relationship with the NBA. Plus, they have a track record of building places. All right, you know, they built Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle with a crack and play. Okay. They built UBS Arena on Long Island where the Islanders were. Okay. So these guys know how to get stuff done. That's a good Jackie, track record. who I love and have known forever, unfortunately his track record is not close to being that of Oakview Group. Okay. So let's see what happens with All-Net Arena. Okay. But uh, I do believe we are going to get, at some point, we will get an NBA team. Okay. I've, I, yeah, Whether we I, get baseball or soccer, we'll see. Yeah. You know, because the, the, the baseball thing is very political at this point. Yes, it is. Right? Because the city of Oakland wants to keep the A's there. There's been opposition to it. Obviously, the A's came here looking for public funding, and the governor says, no way. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do it. And if they don't get public funding, I don't know if they could build what they want to build right. here. Okay, soccer. Major League Soccer does want to come here. They'd have to find a place to play. I guess they could play in Allegiant Stadium, you know, just like court it off the upper mm-hmm. deck and play in the lower bowl. And you get, what, 20000 or so in, sure. in the lower bowl, and that would be acceptable. And I guess they could play theoretically on the grass field the Raiders use. Okay. I don't, you know, they, they have played internationals. Uh, I think they had the, the CONCACAF Gold Cup. At Allegiant. At Allegiant, okay. So they have had success in staging soccer games in that building. Okay. So, yes, they could conceivably do that. Although the Major League Soccer model, Stevie, is to have your own building, your own stadium where you control all the revenue streams. That's how you really make money in the 21st century in in professional sports. 
And, and I think this is why the NBA would prefer to have a Vegas team have its own facility rather than be a tenant to the Golden Knights and okay. T-Mobile. Because okay. we all know T-Mobile Arena is perfectly fine for an NBA team. Yeah, It's not a problem. The Lakers have come here. The Clippers have come here. Um, USA Basketball has played here. It's not a problem. I think Bill Foley, and, and maybe rightly so, doesn't want to have to share dates oh. with the Golden Knights with some other anchor tenant. Okay. Because the Golden Knights right now are the anchor tenant in T-Mobile Arena. No, I get that. They get the dates they want. Right. Okay? So, like, if George Strait wants to do his residency, he has to check the Golden Knights Correct. schedule first. And gotcha. then he can come over to T-Mobile and play a couple nights here, a couple nights there. And he works around, you know, kind of like the way Billy Joel does his Madison Square Garden residency okay. with the Knicks and the Rangers. Very so, similar. I would have thought Foley would like to have an NBA team rent the space from him as another revenue stream. Yes and no, but I think the having exclusivity over dates maybe is more important to Bill than okay. I haven't talked to Bill in quite a while. By Neither the way, have I. yeah. And so, but that would be a fair question to ask Bill Foley, yeah. Who, of course, now owns a soccer team. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he uh, he just purchased Bournemouth <laughs> of the Premier League in, in England, so. Um, we'll see how that turns out. He likes his sports. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but uh, anyhow. So um, you were over in Henderson at the for the Silver Knights opener, yes? I was. How, was was Patera in goal? Yes, he was. How did he look? He looked okay. I, I, I like him. So yeah. We, so we were talking in the, in the pre-show fist fight. The goaltending in the Golden Knights organization looks pretty good. The, the Thompson, better, I think, better than we all thought it was yeah. at this point. Yeah, if I, I, Isaiah Seville has to go play in Savannah, the right. ECHL, that kind of tells you that there is some depth throughout the organization mm-hmm. in net. I mean, Michael Hutchison is not that bad. I mean, he's what thirty-four years old, I yeah. think, now or something like that. Yeah, he's. Yeah, they're they're going to get Boisson back real soon, maybe as early as a week from now. Mm-hmm. Okay, Logan Thompson's done nothing wrong. Nothing. And Aiden Hill played fine he up did. in Seattle. He, he didn't did. do anything wrong. Yeah. Do, do you think the defensive style of, of Cassidy helps out a little bit? No question. Okay. And, and here's what I've been impressed the most about Bruce Cassidy. He is holding everybody in that room responsible, and they have to – be on board with everything. Okay? okay, There's an accountability level in that room that I think was missing under Pete DeBoer, but it had been there under Gerard Gallant. Okay, the, Does that I, make sense? The one exception that I would take with you on this is Petrangelo. Petrangelo is turning the puck. Do you puck. think he's fighting Cassidy? I, no, I think... I, uh, so so here, here's, here's the point that I, that I would make to you. Where Cassidy set Kessel down... For some bad turnovers. Right. I think Petrangelo is making those same turnovers, and he's playing 22 minutes. But it's a little easier to bench a forward than it is a defenseman. Because then somebody's got to double up on D. Okay, that's fair. If you drop Kessel to the third or fourth line, he's still getting ice time, but he's getting the message sent to him that, hey, you want to skate with Jack Eichel? You better keep up and do what's... 
do the right thing. That's fair. I have no problem with Cassidy sending the message the to way, Kessel in that way. Did you notice who was back playing with Eichel the other night? Kessel. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so I, I have I have no issue with that. Well, I have I've got an issue with with Petrangelo. He's okay. turning the he's turning the puck over far too often, and he is slower than molasses now. It looks like he's skating in cement. He cannot get back when there is a turnover. You know. He was struggling in the preseason, Stevie. Mm-hmm. He really was. And I noticed it, and everyone in the press box noticed it, and I would see it in practice even at CNA. Okay. He would make physical mistakes that he didn't normally make. All right. And maybe he's just struggling a little bit to find a comfort level with Cassidy's system. All right. And I think also to a little degree Alec Martinez – the same. I haven't noticed. I think Theodore's thrived. I think White Cloud. I'm talking about the D. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Haig. How about Haig? Yeah. Doesn't play a second <laughs> in preseason. I know. He's up in Kitchener skating. Signs his contract the day before the opener in L.A. Doesn't play against the Kings. Comes back and plays against the Blackhawks. And he's looked good. He so had, far. Well, so again. He didn't play Bailey up in Calgary the he, other night. He played fine. Again, that goes to my point of I would give even minutes to the sixth defenseman. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that Petrangelo should be getting more minutes than the other guys. Would you put White Cloud out on the power play, though, instead of Petrangelo? I'm not sure I would do that yet. I I'm mean, not sure I would do that yet. There's, there's a, you know, Petrangelo does have the veteran presence. He knows. I'll, tell, I'll tell you why this power play is so much better, and not just because Cassidy's got a different yeah. philosophy than the board Steve Spot. All right, you got Eichel out there and Kessel, yeah, two veteran guys who know how to pass the puck. Okay, here here's what I noticed. They're and getting... I'm really impressed by the way Eichel, especially, sees the ice. Okay, so is that why they're getting the puck to the middle? Because that's the difference I noticed. They get the puck to the middle of the ice now, and then. It causes the defense to move, and now you've got space around for other guys. I think what they're forcing the teams to do to play against them when they have the power play is they're forcing them to move and chase the puck. Right. And when you do that, somebody's, chan- open. You know, somebody's open and chances of you converting are a little higher. Yeah. And I, I think we've seen that. And that's, yeah. I go back to what I just said. About guys like Kessel, Eichel, they are so good. Carlson, they're all really adept at finding the open guy and getting the puck through traffic to them. They read the play so well. And I thought when they signed Kessel in August, right before camp, I thought it was a brilliant move by Kelly McCrimmon. Yeah, me too. And, you know, I don't say that too often about him, (laughs) given what we've seen the last couple of years. Yeah, that's fair. But... Let me ask you this. Yeah. Speaking of moves that were unpopular, uh-huh. are you glad Mark Andre Fleury is no longer in Vegas, yeah. given what you've seen of him yeah. in Minnesota? Yeah. yeah. Up in St. Paul. He I, is, I, I hate to say it, but he is looking every bit his age. He is. He is now. And and I and, and we all love the guy. Yeah, yeah. So what 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 is he now? 36? I think he's 37. Is he 37? Okay. 38 next month. If you look, now there are exceptions, Brodeur, there are other exceptions. Most guys, I've looked, I tracked this 
one time for purposes for, for, for wagering and, and, and who I work for. Right. Um, most goalies start to lose it at 34. Mm-hmm. So what, with that being the average, you do give Mark Andre a little credit for being able to play at 35, 36 mm-hmm. the way he did. But it's finally caught up to him. He turns 38 on November 28th. Okay. Okay. Same day as my friend's wife, who always reminded me about the time she sent Flurry a birthday card yeah. saying, We share the same birthday, and he never responded. And she said to me, Can you ask him why you didn't get my card? <laughs> I said, Sure, friend. I'll just walk right up to Flurry and say, Hey, this 87 year old woman sent you a birthday card. How come you didn't acknowledge her? Yeah. That would have went over real well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but it's not it's 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 not surprising. And again, uh, as as much as we loved Mark Andre and whatever, the, the the goalie situation here with the Knights, the organization is in good shape. I I'll tell you what I think also helps. Sean Burke is the new goaltending coach, okay. and his philosophy about playing in net, I think, seems to be resonating with everybody. Whether it's Logan Thompson, Aiden Hill, Boisson, Michael Hutchinson, Yuri Patera. And, and, you know, the Silver Knights have a really good goalie coach, Fred Brathwaite. Oh, yeah. We all love Freddie. Yeah, yeah. You know, he, he knows how to teach the he position. Does. He does. And I think when you have good, nothing against Mike Rosati, nothing against, um, against Dave right, Pryor. Pryor. Okay. But sometimes a different voice can change everyone's outlook. And I think you're seeing that with this group. Now, I think the professor, John Stevens, is doing a really good job as Cassidy's lieutenant, much the way Mike Kelly did for Gerard Gallant. And you can see the benefits that we've seen in New York. Yeah, You know, there's a reason Gallant keeps Mike Kelly with him. Right. Whether it's Florida, whether it's Vegas, whether it's Rangers, yeah, you know, there's when you have a guy who knows what he's doing and you trust, yeah. you hang on to that guy. Sure, because it takes a, it takes a lot of your workload off. Absolutely, right. So you can concentrate on other things. Sometimes, but, but sometimes, Stevie, we overlook that that part of the the whole thing. We're so fixated on the actual players, right? And the head coach. Sometimes we forget how important. The assistants are, and and just the philosophy. Yeah, and I I love how Cassidy wants to clog that middle up, especially in his end, and and take away the prime shooting areas for the other team. So so the the, the two other assistant coaches now they kept Ryan, Ryan Craig, Craig right, right, who I think has done excellent work. I'm sorry that we lost McGill. Now look, he Cassidy doesn't have to keep McGill, but I think McGill was an excellent assistant coach as well. I thought so too. I, I agree. And you know what? Ryan Craig has done a nice job with the centerman in winning face-off. Yes. There, since he got that responsibility with DeBoer, mm-hmm. who, by the way, emphasized the importance of winning face-off, yep. the Knights have become much better, much better. in this circle. Mm-hmm. Much better. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's noticeable. And you know me. You've known me for years. You know what I always say, right? It starts with the face-off. It starts with the face-off. you got to win. Possession is... Is key. Is Absolutely. Key. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so, so One last thing on, on the goaltenders and, and, and talking about uh, uh, Burke and, and Brethwaite. They seem very quiet 
There's there's no flopping around and and you know, extreme movement or any of that stuff. I'm I'm really impressed. I know Thompson's like 25, but but he's still a rookie. He hasn't played NHL hockey, right? right? He's very quiet. He doesn't get uh, what's the word I want to. He, do, he's, he he doesn't over. He's not, he's not wasting energy. Correct. He doesn't panic. Position. He doesn't panic. Yeah, and and you know what? He hasn't really let in any bad goals. No, he so really far. hasn't. You know the goals the other night in Calgary. One went off Martinez's stick. One yeah. was a power play that. You know they just didn't cover the the guy, the weak side. Yeah. You know I mean he. He's really grown into that position. He has. And and again I do think. Working with Sean Burke, having Aiden Hill, I think has helped. And I think, you know what? I don't know, but maybe having Robin Leonard not be in the room <laughs> right now yeah. is helping keep yeah. things calm. Yeah. All right? And, and again, we weren't in the room the last couple of years because no. of the pandemic. Right. Let me tell you, I've been in the room a few times already this year. Okay. It is upbeat. Guys seem to be enjoying themselves. Guys are smiling. This was even before the opening game. All right. Okay, in L.A. Sometimes when you have that air of confidence and trust in each other, it really spreads. It becomes a contagious thing, just like dissension Mm -hmm. can be a bad thing and spread throughout the room. I don't think they enjoyed being around each other the last two years. No. Now, you can blame it on DeBoer. Maybe there was some prima donna stuff with Max Pacioretty. Yeah. You know, Stone was gone for a good portion of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, you missed your captain who could kind of keep things in line. Leonard did stir the pot occasionally. He did. There's no question about it. And and just maybe the absence of all of that yeah. has changed the dynamic in the room to where these guys actually seem to like playing together. That's the impression I'm getting. All right. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but my gut is telling me I've been around the game a little bit, as you know, played, coached, refed a little. When guys like each other, oh, they yeah. like the coach they're playing for, they believe in the system, their chances of succeeding are greatly enhanced. It, it, that's true in any sport. It's true in any sport. Except maybe the A's of the <laughs> 70s. When, when yeah. they all yeah. hated their, yeah, yeah. their owner. Yeah, yeah. And, but and, again, even those guys were like united. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. So what do you think about starting the fourth line every period so far? It, it, I, I, think they, I think they set a tone in a lot of games. I think they set the tone in the first period against Calgary, but then the second and third periods, Calgary answered back. Well, didn't Colesar score like 12 seconds in? Uh, oh, that was up no, in it, Seattle, right? It, no, no, no. It it wasn't Colasar. It was um, Carrier. Carrier, but that that's a goal that Colasar the, Mar- the Markstrom squeezes ninety nine out of a hundred of those. Well, sometimes a little puck luck goes a long way. Yeah, but I I wouldn't be married to it. I'm not the coach. I'm not Bruce. But I think that you know much like the islanders do with Sezikis, mm-hmm. Clutterbuck and Martin who Barry Trotz always started every period of every game to set the tone right maybe this is the the golden knights identity line if okay. you will 
They're going to thump you and, you know, harass you and, and get you on your heels early on and then let the uh, the next three lines do their thing. All right. Now, I, I wonder, though, if other teams now will know that they're going to do that and if they watch the second and third period of the Calgary game, the, 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 other, the rest of the teams in the league will now know how to answer that uh, tactic well, from on, the Knights. On, when the Knights are on the road, the, uh, the opposition gets the last change. So right. they, they can wait to see who Cassidy trots out, and then they can decide who they want to match up with. Okay. But I, just, I, I found it interesting, and, and it has worked, and then they ran it. By, by the way, We can maybe get into this. I don't want people to think that that Calgary game was a close game. It wasn't. Calgary dominated every statistic, and it wasn't close. The only place that they were close was the final score. But that should have been like a 5-1 to game. Well, when you're playing shorthanded for half a period, or more than half a period, that's certainly not going to help your chances no, of well, playing no. with the other team. That's true. Okay, but, 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 but I, whose fault is that? Well. You can't take penalties. Correct. Which is probably why Paul Cotter's out of the lineup tonight and Mike Amadio is in. Okay. On the fourth line. Okay. I've, I, I, I got to tell you. On the third I, line, rather. I, I, like, I like Cotter. I think there's potential there, but I'd rather have Amadio. In, I, I like his veteran presence. Yeah, I, I think in, in certain situations you could play Paul Cotter – like you know, up in Seattle against the Blackhawks, I'm I'm cool with that. Yeah, but, but you're right. There were certain nights, like Saturday when they played the Avalanche, who by the way lost to uh, Landeskog. Yeah, twelve weeks. That's a big loss. That for is them. a big loss because normally he's a, I'd say they'd be fine because Cadre yeah. would just you yeah, know, yeah pick up the slack. Yeah. But now you're asking McKinnon and and some of these other guys to have to do a little bit more. Some of them will be able to. Yeah. Some of them will not. I, th- I think in general they'll be okay. I, the the issue for me more is that he's the captain than 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 what they lose in play. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, you're right. I mean it's like we saw with Stone last year. Right. You need him in the room. Yeah. Not just on the ice. Yeah. He's that conduit between the players and the coaching staff. Somebody's but, not happy with their ice time. <clears throat> they tell the captain, say, "Hey, ask, ask him why I'm not playing more." But uh, real quick, getting back to the Calgary before we take uh, the first break here. Yeah. Uh, man, are they good, Steve? I mean, they are bad, fast, and strong. And and, and again, three two should not have been the final score there. Mm-hmm. And and I I'm just wondering that that's a serious cup contender. You know, it's funny because you say three two should have been the final score. If Riley Smith's Shot doesn't hit the post. It's a three three game. Well, or, or the Knights no, the I, the Knights the lead three two. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Wait, yeah, yeah. So the but it, my it point is. is, you're right. Calgary outplayed him for the most part, and we would have thought that if you lose Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Gaudreau, yeah, you'd be struggling. Yeah, but but, but Huberdeau's coming. Huberdeau, Cadre, <laughs> yeah, um, the other kid they picked uh, up from Florida, uh, uh, the um, other guy. Uh, I I can't think of his name, mind. but but also Toffoli, who they got a year and a half ago. So the, the yeah, the, I love Toffoli. I loved him on the Kings. Yeah. I thought in Montreal he was one of their few bright lights. Yeah, you don't and, see it and here. And now here he is playing for the Flames, and you can just tell he's very comfortable in this system with Daryl Sutter. <laughs> okay, 
I, I just they, they just they keep coming. They're bad fast, but it's it's a controlled fast. They don't turn the puck over. They don't make bad plays. They, they, no one is ever out so of position. So are they the best team in the West? I, I, I would ask you, but I, from no, what I'm I've, asking you, from what I've seen, yeah, it's man, it's tough. Colorado and Calgary. I I'm, I I think I would go Calgary. Right now, I'd have to agree with you because without Landeskog, yeah, I think the Avs may have some trouble winning on certain nights against yeah. certain teams. And I think Calgary and I'm has been Saturday might be one of those. I mean, they lost on home to Winnipeg last night in overtime, yeah. a team that normally they should be able to handle right. on home ice. And you know now they're going to come to Vegas Saturday, and I think. The Knights, depending on how things go tonight against the Jets at T-Mobile, you know, the Knights are going to be kind of late in wait for these guys. It's a big game. And for Vegas, who had a favorable schedule to start the year, these are two important points. They are. Along with the two points on tonight, obviously, against the Jets (coughs) and the two points Monday against Toronto. How about Toronto losing to the Coyotes? Yeah, I those people up there are freaking out right now. Yeah. They they want everybody gone. I know. I uh, mean, they overreact to everything. Yeah, but they may not be wrong. They, 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 I'm not sure you about this. You think Chief tr- is, is the wrong guy? I'm not, I'm not sure about this Toronto team. Something doesn't feel right up there. They, they, they You know, Marner and, uh, and uh, Matthews yeah. can score, but what else do they really have? Well, they got Tavares. They got, you know. Tavares is fine, but he's starting to show his age like Flurry, I think. Well, well, he's I, that I, old. Well, he's only like 32, 33. Really? I thought he was older than that. What? I, I don't think so, but I'll All check right. for you, Steve. Well, will you check. We're going to take a break, get some commercials in, and then we're going to come back. There'll be more hockey talk with our buddy Dennis Bernstein oh, yeah. from the good. fourth period. That's coming up right after these messages. Now, more of your favorite personal sports physician. This doesn't sound like the usual mindless, boring chit-chat. It's the Dr. T.C. Martin. Actually, Stevie Slapshot, filling in for T.C. Martin on this Thursday afternoon. We'll be here till 4 o'clock. we got T.C. coming up at the top of the hour. And then at 3.30, we're going to bring in Jake Cornegay from the Westgate. Right now, we're going to Los Angeles. We're going to bring in Dennis Bernstein. We're going to continue our ice talk with Dennis from the fourth period. You can follow him on Twitter at DennisTFP. And again, all the information uh, on the fourth period.com uh, from Dennis and his friends there. Dennis, how are you doing on this Thursday afternoon? Steve, I'm great. I'm doing great. Great to talk to you again. I'm actually uh, coming to town tomorrow to uh, do our hot stove show on Saturday and uh, check out the game on Saturday as well. Too dang cool. Nice. Can't, can't wait. Maybe we can, uh, maybe we can hook up somehow. Hey, uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna get your thoughts on, on the Knights. I'm gonna start out with the Kings again. You cover the entire NHL, but you're in Los mm-hmm. Angeles, so uh, you you're really privy to uh, to Kings news. Um, they they lose the first two at home, Dennis, and then they go on the road and win three straight. Now a couple of those were a little hinky, seven to six to the Wild, <laughs> uh, right. the win there, and then they go overtime in Detroit and in Nashville. It's a shootout win. So I'm just I'm just wondering is is Todd McClellan was there a lot of shouting going on because even though they've won the three straight it's it's not really been pretty necessarily. Well, it hasn't been pretty, uh, but this team 
looks nothing like the team that made the playoffs last season. Um, that was a shot suppression team that didn't give a lot up defensively. Now they gave up a lot defensively, but the team score. They're one of the more exciting teams in the league, Stevie, after yeah. five games, which mm-hmm. is, a, which is a, a shocking thing to say. Uh, they have to get better on the defensive end. But remember, they're, they're playing a lot of young kids. Brant Clark, who was their uh, first-round pick from a couple of uh, years ago, he's in the lineup now. Sean Dursey had a great opening season, but uh, he's, uh, he, he's only in his second year as well. Sean Walker missed the entire last season with an ACL and MCL tear. He's just coming back to the lineup. So th- this team is certainly trying to find a way. I'm sure Todd is not happy with the way they're playing defensively. They're giving up a lot, but this team is scoring, scoring a lot. And the one kid that's really leading the way who's had a uh, revelation, so to speak, and they've been waiting a long time for him is uh, Gabriel Velarde um, on wings. I think he's got mm-hmm. four goals and three assists in, uh, in five games, and he really looks like a different player this season than previous seasons. How about bringing in Kevin Fiala from uh, Minnesota? Did you, do you yeah. think that was a good trade? Do you think he's a good fit there in L.A.? Yep, love it. Point-of-game player. He's been a point-of-game player. In Minnesota last year, he's five points in five games. Uh, he is feisty. He will take bad penalties in the offensive zone. He's done that a couple of times. Uh, but as advertised, remember, Stevie, they took no one off the roster to get Kevin Fiala, who's legitimately a bona fide point-of-game player. So great trade for Los Angeles. He's fitting in well, and I suspect that uh, he will continue. And I wouldn't be shocked with uh, both Fiala and Kemping on Kopitar's uh, line if Kopitar – uh, hits about maybe 70 assists this season. So the fantasy players that, that might want to take a shot at Kopi, that might be a good thing. But uh, Fiala came as advertised, great trade, and uh, we suspect more from him um, tonight and going forward. As you know, I watch every Vegas Golden Knight game, so I was I watched the season yeah. opener. And it is such a pleasure to watch Anze Kopitar uh, do what he does. He does it so quietly, but he, even though it's as effortless as, as, as you would ever watch a hockey player, Man, can he do magic things on the ice. Yeah, he's the quintessential 200-foot player, right? He's done everything that this organization has asked him, and he's still playing big minutes. He played 21-27 against uh, Nashville in that uh, shootout win. He's not he's not uh, taking on any less of a, of a responsibility, even with Phil Deneau there for a second season, even with Quentin Byfield uh, trying to break through and establish himself for the center. But, again, um, they're nowhere that without Kopi, even when he doesn't score. He mm-hmm. takes on the power play. He takes on penalty kill. He's, like I said, a 200-foot player that plays in all situations. And uh, I just expect him to be uh, a solid player again this season as well. Hey, Dennis, it's Steve Carp. How are you? Carpy, what's going on, man? Great to hear from you. I'll see you on Saturday when you come to T-Mobile. Beautiful. Three quick. I yeah. want to touch back. I want to circle back about Velarde, who – as we remember, yep. was a high pick, you know, lottery pick of the Kings mm-hmm. in, in 2017. And, you know, for whatever reason, injuries, his development has been slow. All of a sudden, yeah. he's playing like the player they all thought they were drafting, you know, six years ago. What is he doing better? And what has McClellan done to get this kid to perform more consistently like he has so far? Uh, well, there's a couple of points, Carpy, on this. Number one, he's healthy. He had back issues mm-hmm. in, his, uh, in his draft season. After that, his back was nagging him for about 18 months with stunted his development. Um, they, they tried to play him at 2C, and when I saw this kid play the first season, and last season was lost, he's not a center. He, he's not, and he, was dra- you know, he played a lot on the right wing mm-hmm. in his draft-eligible year. And when he was drafted, I said, well, okay, mm-hmm. here's my comparable. 
Tyler Toffoli, who, yes, was a center and junior, yeah. but moved over to the right side. So I think that's it. And I think more importantly, his attitude has changed. Like This this is a kid who, when he was playing center, says, ah, face-offs aren't important. No, they kind of are. It's how you get the puck. So I, I think it's change of attitude. I think people waiting around for him. I, I think the expectations are really high. So I think that. And plus, he may be in better shape as well. I mentioned the development with respect to going from center to right wing. I mentioned the back injury. Let's talk about the big difference was in him this season. He said he looks quicker. Yeah. certainly will help. But this kid has all the skills around the net. He's finishing as well. He's been paired with Quentin Byfield. So it's a, it's a nice story in the early season. But Gabriel Valari looks like an entirely different player. And that's great for the game because the one that, that was here, for a couple of seasons, wasn't he just wasn't yeah. delivering the goods? No, he he provides some quality offensive depth to this team because you can't just rely on what I think is this new triple crown line of Fiala, yeah. Kopitar, and Kempe, who by the way will look great in that reverse retro Kings jersey. <laughs> what did you think of the reverse retro Kings look? And who do you think had the best and the worst? I know who I will pick, but who did you... I thought this Kings reverse retro looked so sharp. Yeah, I, I I think that, well, yeah, it looks sharp, number one. Number two, remember, they, they sold the reverse retro before during the pandemic, and they sold out. You can't get them. You can't get them anymore. They just didn't have enough inventory. So, I think the... Um, well, the worst has got to be the Islanders because they brought back. Thank the you, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> I thought I was the only one in North America who thought that the no. bringing back the fisherman? I like the Gordon's fisherman. He sucks. I guess I'm the only guy. <laughs> He's as bad as the town crier in Henderson. Anyway, who do you think had the best look, though? Let's see if you um, and I are on the same page. Okay, so let me. I'm looking at the images right now. Just take me a second. Um, hey, look. I have an old. It's not this one. I have an old school Jill's Malosh um, uh, uh, seals fan. Uh, uh, so I like the sharks yep. adapting the, uh, uh, the colors look. of the uh, California seals. Look, I like that one. And I, I can't. I see that what I can't do is I can't see the the, the Habs in a predominantly blue um, yeah. um, jersey. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that. So I'll go with I'll go with the old school uh, Oilers logo as well. Yeah, okay. On their, uh, what about you, Carvey? I like your favorites. Um, if I had to pick top three, it would be the Panthers, mm-hmm. the Kings. Yeah, with the sun and the yeah. – Yeah. Okay. The Kings would be two, and the Sharks' seals look would be yeah. three. Yeah. I like the Vegas yeah, – on the same page. I like the Vegas look too, by the way. The black jersey with yeah, the, the – Yeah, it's close uh, to the color, so it doesn't go too far from yeah. you know, the, the color scheme. Yeah, and I, I just think the fonts using the Excalibur for the – the letters and the stardust for the numbers mm-hmm. was a nice homage to Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, great. Absolutely. Yeah. Dennis, so far, uh, Peterson and Quick have split the starts. Do you think that holds true throughout the season? That, that's what they like, Stevie. I mean, uh, Quick carried the mail down the stretch, uh, played all the playoff games except the one he got knocked out here in Los Angeles when they went bust 8-2 um, in, in, in game three. Uh, but th- that's what they like because, again, Quick wants to play. I asked him, the first question I asked him in training camp to this team was, to Jonathan Quick, do you want to keep playing? He goes, that's the plan. So he's not going to get paid $6 million this year, like the next year. So you may have uh, 
They have $10.8 million in cap space. And so they, they want a Cal to immerse. Cal did not have a good preseason. He wasn't good at the start of the season. The, the second half of the victory in, in Nashville, he was better. He beat Charles in the shootout. Uh, but it, it, they, they don't want to have to rely on John Quick down the stretch. Their preference would be, okay, let's see who the goalie is once we get to game 83 and start that, that player. But they certainly need a lot more. And now Cal's getting $5 million a year, so he really – from a value standpoint, he has to start producing. It hasn't been great for the goalies, but I will say this. They haven't given him a lot of help as well. They, 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 these guys, you know, they give up a lot of scoring chances. The team gets hit more than any other team in the league. It's not a big team. So, so far, Cal can show signs, but he's got to be way better and way consistent, and he might get the call tonight in Pittsburgh as well. Hey, I got, I got one more for you. You guys do the best job uh, anywhere as far as uh, the draft and uh, and at the trade mm-hmm. deadline, I, I got to ask you this. It, it, it relates to the Kings. Um, Patrick Kane already linked to the Rangers, possibly as a move. Mm-hmm. And then Craig Button uh, came out the other day and said, also in play are Calgary, Pittsburgh, and the Kings. Is is uh, is Patrick Kane ending up on the Kings, Dennis? I don't know. Rob Blake is so conservative as a general manager. I, I don't think that. They would look at him as a rental. Now, I will say this. If they're going to retain half the money on Patrick Kane, that's going to be $5 million a year. Mm. There should be 16 playoff teams that uh, at a $5 million cap it that Patrick Kane should be interested in. Now, here's the thing. Patrick a right wing. How healthy is Victor Arvidsson? He, he had back surgery in the offseason. He's been ill, missed a couple of games here. If for some reason he wasn't 100% healthy at the trade deadline, and let's say Velarde uh, came off this heater and Cal everything stood up, then maybe, maybe. But I don't see it. I think a team like the Rangers would be more aggressive than the Rangers because I think that the, the Kings like the path they're on. That would not include Patrick Kane in the mix here, uh, unless they were, let's say, six or eight points out of a playoff spot and they weren't scoring again. And possibly, but it's just not in Rob's DNA to make a move like that. Yeah, I, I think there's other teams uh, that might be a little quicker to pull the trigger on Patrick Kane than LA. You know, I'm looking at the standings, Dennis, and I'm I'm perplexed by a few things. One, how is Dallas three and zero? I know they have Jason Robertson, that's huge. And then I'm looking yeah. at Minnesota off to this horrible start. San Jose zero and five. They don't look good. <laughs> um, Boston's off to a pretty good start under Montgomery at three and one. What do you yeah. make of the first two weeks overall? from what you've seen of the NHL? Uh, well, the reason Dallas is 3-0, Corpy, is that they've given up three goals. And if you give up three goals in three games, you're going to go 3-0. <laughs> so that, that's, a, that's a nice thought. They've had two home, home games as well. Right. Uh, I'm, look, San Jose, that's a long climb up. That's a terrible team right now. They, they just don't have they don't have enough good players. You know, The guys that they yeah. have that, that have signed. Look, I might like Meyer and Hurdle. But guys like Vlasic, guys like Couture, Eric Carlson is certainly not worth that contract. Yeah. It's a long climb up for Mike. I know Mike Gray wanted a GM job, but you know, this is a tough one to take on. He does have a supportive owner. And for from, for Quinn, he wanted to get back in the game. I have no problem yeah. with, with, they, with Quinn wanting to get back in the game. Um, so that's it. But that's a long climb up. And Minnesota, Minnesota has to have a good goaltending. Like Marc-Andre Fleury has to be good to start the season. Yep. So you get a little bit nervous there. And then Vancouver, the same thing. Vancouver doesn't play much defense. Ruff was already looking for defensemen. And the good thing about the Vancouver-Minnesota game tonight is that 
somebody's got to win, and somebody will get their first uh, win of the season, Carpy. So I think that's <laughs> in the West. That's what's going on in the East. Um, yeah, Boston with a change of scenery, new coach, a different message. I get it, but the team I like that. Again, you ask why teams win. I picked the Carolina Hurricanes to win the cup. They've given up three goals in three games. Same thing yeah. there. Not a lot of offense. And so the Rangers, you know, Rangers Carolina is going to be another great series if they do meet. And I think anybody that thought that the Flyers would be three and one out of the box, right. I mean, come on. I, I had to bet against them last night, Car, because there's no way they're going four and zero and going back to back in in Tampa and Florida. So good to see Torts. He got this team's attention. They'll have more structure. They'll play harder, uh, which is definitely what that franchise needs. I mean. Their first day of training camp, he bag skated him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. come on, who does that except him? He does that, exactly. He's the only the guy in the league who would do something that insane. And But yet, well, probably, you know what? Perfect, yeah, go yeah. ahead, Dennis. He, he's in the perfect place for that, though, because there's no accountability. There was no structure. There's no superstars on the team who can say, hey, I'm bigger than you. I'm bigger than the team. I'm the only coach. He came, and he's going to humble people. He sent Cam York down. Everybody thought Cam York was going to be on the top six yeah. on defense, given the state defense. He goes, no, nope, send him down. Mm-hmm. So he's but he can get away with that because like it, it doesn't work with this guy in there. And I, look, then Chuck Fletcher will be gone. It'll be different management. So right. he, he's in the right place to, to to put in his type of system and bring that type of attitude because he clearly needed it in Philadelphia. Is is the overreaction in Toronto justified over the Leafs two two start? Um, or just yes, because they lost to the Coyotes the other night, yeah, and everyone's was, freaked out. I, I, I think the troubling though thing is you look at the scores. Okay, they're, they can they can lose a game here and there at the beginning. It doesn't matter, but their effort was not. And the coach called them out. We had elite yeah. players who aren't playing elite. So I think it's somewhat concerning. I'd be more concerned with Jake Munch's injuries, mm-hmm. and of course Mraz gets hurt. You know, and then the, the goaltender gets hurt. Matt Murray. I'd be more concerned with those type of injuries that help with this team than the start because. I think them to win the division. They have so much talent, Corby. So I think that, yeah. um, it's, of course, it's an overreaction. But that one game was troubling because the effort wasn't there. Because these guys thought they could throw their gloves, sticks, and skates on the ice and thought they could beat Arizona. And, yes, maybe Arizona's an AHL team, but they're going to play hard and they're going to try hard. And every team probably thinks they, they, they can have an easy win against them. I think the, the, the try in that game was troubling, but I, I want to see responses after that. It's always not about the game, the bad game you played. It's about the response in yeah, the next absolutely. game. How do you respond to the criticism? And we'll yeah. see Toronto here on Monday night, by the way, against the Knights. So if the Leafs don't have this thing sorted out by Monday, they could be in for a long night against Vegas, yep. who has been oh, yeah, getting good goaltending, by the way. Yeah, they've been getting great goaltending. Their defense is rock solid. Not sure about the offense still, but again, if they're going to put up that type of effort against any team other than Arizona, they'll get beat again, and that, oh, that's yeah. the troubling part. You have to accept to say why, even though I get it, it's Game Four, but why would you want to go through the motions in Game Four? It just it, yeah. it, it didn't. It, that was the troubling part for me more than a loss itself. I agree. I haven't had a chance to talk to you Dennis, since the coaching change. I just wanted to get your thoughts on uh, was it the right move to give DeBoer the pink slip, and, and was Cassidy the right guy to bring in here? Well, it had to be accountability. Somebody had to be accountable for for last season. So, Pete took the account. Pete took the hit. I like Bruce Cat. You know, people say, "Well, Bruce Cassidy wore out his welcome." The players didn't want him in there. You see, the uh, Brusk withdrew his his trade request. David Krejci comes back to New York. The guy had a 107 point team last season. He wasn't some bum that there was a total revolt and the players didn't play for him. They didn't like him. They they grew tired of his of his of his of his uh, of his words and his message. 
if, if he can spruce up the power play, they're going to be in the mix here. I don't know where they finish because they got to see more, a bigger sample size than four games. But he's certainly a qualified coach, and he had 107-point team last year, so let's not say, oh, this is a bad move. Plus, Vegas has been really good on the road. They're 2-1 on the road. Uh, I, I think they'll go as, long, as far as the goaltending and their offense will take them. And we're going to see if they get to the playoffs, game 83, uh, from, I think that's, those are the two questions. They look good early. They looked really good in L.A. They physically dominated the Kings. They came in and imposed their will that deserved, even though decision-making at the end wasn't great for the Kings, they deserved to win that game. That was a solid effort opening night. And I think for most nights it was a solid effort. It wasn't great in Calgary. And then they got pushed around a little bit there. But, again, they're going to be in the mix, maybe not for the division title, but certainly for the two, the, the, the three seed in the division. Hey, Dennis, do you have any intel on the uh, Jacob Verona situation? He entered the player assistance program. He's, he's a guy that I've always liked, Dennis. He, he's a really solid hockey player, yeah. helps, helps whatever team he's on. I, I, I just hope he's okay. Do, do we know what the situation is there, or is, is that being kept quiet? We don't. Yeah, everything's being kept quiet because there's, you know, there's an agreement between the NHLPA and the NHL that you, there's not a lot of information. So hopefully he'll go to get his help. He can come back, uh, I believe, after 30 days. And got, look, a guy like uh, Carey Price went in there, came out, and even though he can't play because of his knee, he, he's more adjusted. And it's just times, you know, at some point in time, you need adjustments in your life. And I guess Jacob Verona did too much of something and, and just was just uh, his behavioral situation wasn't good. So he recognized, and what's the first step? The first step is recognizing the problem. They have a really solid program with the NHLPA. Um, so I assume that he'll go in there, um, do what he has to do to straighten out his life, and he'll come back and, uh, and play very well. And the word is next year, Dennis, that the uh, salary cap is going to go up uh, like by four, four and a half million. They expect to get the, uh, the escrow paid off. Does, does that look from your vantage point to be a, a true situation that we'll have about four million more in, in the salary cap next year? Well, it's always all, it's all about estimates, right? Sales estimates for companies. Will never, I never trust a salesman with a sales estimate. It's usually high, so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not really sure if that's going to happen. Um, there's some, they'll have to get to like maybe between four and a half and five billion in revenue. They can do, they can continue to eat away at that escrow that the, the players own. The uh, I, I think two seats, like not this summer, but next summer. If it doesn't go up four and a half or five, it might go up ten the following. Because I think what's going to happen is. This week continues to gather momentum. The revenues are really good. They're in really good shape. It's bounced back very well from the pandemic. So I don't think we'll get to that number with respect to child cap rates in this summer. But watch out for the following summer. So when you see guys starting long-term deals, like this summer saying, oh, well, that's a lot of money in the first. Well, maybe it is for the 23-24 season, but not for the 24-25 season. Well, I expect a nice bump there because they'll get rid of all that escrow uh, the players are owed, and then the, to me, the revenues will tend to increase. Dennis, thanks very much for your time. We really appreciate it. Indeed. Dennis Bernstein from TheFourthPeriod.com, <clears throat> and you can follow him on Twitter at DennisTFP. Have a great Thursday afternoon, Dennis. See you Saturday. Stevie Carby, thanks for the time. Great talking to you. You got it. All right, Stevie Slapshot filling in for T.C. Martin on a Thursday. We will be right back with T.C. from Houston.
pretty soon. Hutchin and a ground ball to third, breaking for the plate, the throw, and they got him. No! He called him safe! He called him safe! Unbelievable! That is remarkable. That is unbelievable! The throw beat him by a mile! Live. Did he get him? Oh, he tapped entertainment capital of the world. It isn't. The runner goes halfway. Oh. Somebody thought it was on. His Torres had to scoop it and doesn't get it. And Ty Wigginton, oh, he made it. He bumped him and he's gone. It's the T.C. Martin Show. And Wigginton is furious. Diagnosis. The 3-2 pitch. Prognosis. Outside ball for Carl straight three. Osmosis. Carl straight three. I didn't think that Marty Foster was going to ring it up. The doctor, T.C. Martin. No, my goodness no. gracious. No, no, no. You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. The doctor is now in. Get your money's worth. T.C. Martin on assignment today in Houston. Stevie Slapshot filling in. At 3.30, we're going to have Jay Cornegate from the Westgate. But right now, we go to our Major League Baseball correspondent in Houston, Mr. T.C. Martin. And T.C., spot on. Spot on yesterday. <laughs> he did bounce back. 11 strikeouts. And a guy that we talked about, Jeremy Pena with a homer. Also, uh, Guriel and McCormick hit home runs. And it's a uh, game one victory for the Houston Astros. Steve, you don't forget, the Astros had 17 strikeouts on the Yankees. And uh, the most of the Yankees uh, have ever had. Seven of those came from the bullpen after Justin Verlander exited after a little bit of a high pitch count, but he was rolling along. He had 10, and then uh, the, the team had, had uh, 17, 7 over the. So think about that. The last nine outs, Astros relief pitchers got seven of those nine by way of the K. So uh, very impressive. And here's another fun fact for you, Stevie, as you I'm sure you know. Six home runs yesterday, four by the Astros, two by the Yankees, all solo shots, every run accounted for by a solo home run. If I told you, and you did not know the score, that we were going to have six home runs in that game, what would you venture the final score to be? No, it'd be flying over. It'd be like a 10-6 game. It'd be like a Wrigley Field game back in the day, right? Right. (laughs) Yeah. No, that was impressive. So now, what? So we we talked about yesterday that Verlander was going to make adjustments but I, I don't know that he named him. Did you, watching him pitch, did you figure out what the adjustments were that he made? You know, it was just for, I'll tell you where he made the adjustments. He made the adjustments from after the second inning on. And we had a very uh, tight strike zone. And the umpire, if you watched that, the home plate umpire yesterday, I mean, man, his, he had a postage stamp strike zone, but he was getting away, uh, giving away the, the high strikes. And uh, so Verlander saw that, so he started elevating his fastball a little bit. And then I just noticed mm-hmm. how he was really just, you know, working the count in his favor as the game progressed here. And then, you know, there were people, you know, sitting around me saying, hey, he, he probably needs to come out of the game, like around the, the third inning. I said, you know what? I said, you got to hang with him. Dusty's going to hang with him because there's a big drop-off between, you know, your ace on the staff and then going to middle relief, and sure enough, Verlander got it together, did not give up a hit after the second inning, 
And then those innings, three, four, five, and six, he just started rolling, and he just uh, really started commanding the strike zone a little bit more. He was amping up with the, the fastball, and uh, it was very, very impressive. So tonight, it's uh, Framber Valdez for the Houston Astros against uh, Severino for the Yankees. Valdez, a left-hander against a predominantly right-handed hitting lineup for the Yanks, but Valdez, his out-pitch is not easy to handle for right-handers, is it? No, not at all. And, you know, again, with Framber, he has the uh, highest ground ball percentage rate in all of Major League Baseball for starting pitchers. So the Astros feel very, very confident with Framber on the mound. Like you talked about before, he is the only left-hander they have. They don't have a left-handed reliever, Will Smith, who they brought over from Atlanta in the trade midseason. He really wasn't getting the job done. So they said, you know what? Hey, we're, we're going to go with right-handed pitching basically uh, throughout our pitching you know, rotation, the starting staff as well as the, the relieving staff. And uh, they, they believe in Framber, and why not? The guy's been phenomenal. As you know, he set a, a record, Major League Baseball record, for 25 consecutive quality starts. And, you know, quality starts so six innings, giving up three earned runs or less. And he's been phenomenal uh, all season long. And he gets the ball down. And if you look at the Yankees, they're a big free-swinging team, a lot of swing and misses. They're, they're home run guys. But Valdez keeps the ball down. So that's going to bode well. So, again, I feel very confident the Astros are going to win this game tonight. They'll be up two games to none because when you have – you know, your 1-1A one one pitchers going in Verlander and Valdez, I, I really believe with this home crowd and the way the Yankees' bats are right now, they're kind of silent, uh, advantage Astros. Did, did the Yankees at all look sluggish to you last night after, you know, there was some celebration in New York and then the long trip early in the morning, you know, getting up early for batting practice and, and playing the game last night? Did, did that any of that show up with them? So a couple things. Uh, they did get in at 3 o'clock in the morning in Houston. So conventional wisdom says, okay, they're going to be a little bit tired. They took kind of a, a mini batting practice, you know, earlier in the day. But it's just the way that this team carries themselves against the Astros. It's just not a confident look. And we talked about before how the Astros have dominated the Yankees in the postseason. You know, going back every year, you know, basically the last six seasons. And then this year, if you look at all the combined innings, the, the Yankees only led for two innings after the entire, you know, uh, the seven regular season games where the Astros won five of those seven. And so you, they just don't look confident when they play the Astros. And you saw that same thing again last night with the body language. Now, when they got off to the, the early lead with the solo homer by, by Bader, it was like, okay, you know, they, they had a little, a little pump. But after that, it just kind of dissipated. And then when the Astros answered the bell, you could just see the body language in the Yankees' dugout. It was like, wow, here we go again. And, again, we've seen that, you know, in the postseason. We saw it during the course of this regular season. So I just think that the Yankees are not a confident bunch, Stevie, against the Astros. And, you know, like I've been talking about, this bullpen is so erratic. You don't know what you're going to get. And you got Aaron Boone mixing and matching, and he did it again last night. I mean, we talked about Jamison Tyon. He starts the game. He gets lifted. And then they bring in Schmidt. And Schmidt was a guy that closed, attempted to close, you know, game number three against Cleveland. And now you're bringing this guy in in the, in the fourth and the fifth inning. It's just Aaron Boone just does not have a, an idea or a pulse 
what to do with this pitching staff. In particular, the Yankees ought to be afraid of Houston Astros shortstops. I mean, first it was Carlos Correa, and now th- this kid, Jeremy Pena, he's got star written him all, all, all over him, TC. Yeah, he does. You know, we've talked about it before where, you know, when Carlos Correa was a free agent, he really wanted to stay in Houston. He wanted to, to be there with his boys, with Altuve and Bregman and, and everybody else, who, you know, Gurriel, who have, who have come up through the Astros organization. And, you know, he his agent said, hey, we can go get you this, you know, $350 million contract, $400 million contract, but it didn't happen. So he went to the Twins, and Carlos Correa made a smart, you know, decision as far as, you know, doing a one-year opt-out uh, clause, which you never see a guy who signed a big free agent contract, but the Twins signed off on that. Now Carlos Correa is a free agent again. But the reason why the Astros did not match that offers because they said, hey, man, we'd love to have you stay here, but we can't pay you this. We're not going to pay you this. We didn't pay Garrett Cole that. We didn't pay George Springer for agents that left before him. Part of that, you know, great Astros teams in the past. They said, we got this kid, Jeremy Pena, down in the minors. So it's Pena's time to shine. And Pena struggled the beginning part of the season. But, man, he just got better as the season progressed. He still has some problems with the curveball. And, again, teams have gotten smarter over the last couple months of the season you know, trying to pitch him away where he will go down and fish. But again, he had that breakout series against the Mariners and uh, he has continued on here with the Yankees. And uh, I see Pena, you know, starting to be a little bit more patient. If he can lay off that curveball and just, you know, wait for, and sit for the fastball, you're going to get those results like you saw last night with him going deep. How close do you get to the uh, the Yankees clubhouse dugout? I'm, I'm just wondering if, uh, if, if you Aaron, we're, we're both from NorCal, and so, so is Aaron mm-hmm. Judge, and he's talked about uh, going to San Francisco. Is, is that a ploy to, to uh, uh, negotiate a, uh, a deal, or is he really interested in going there? Is anything coming out from the Yankees about that? No, I mean, they're all tight-lipped about that. You know, no one's going to talk about potential free agents, free agency or trades or any of that matter. I mean, everything is, you know, that, that stuff is just shut down. So that's just fodder that's coming from people in the media. Uh, Yankees aren't thinking about that. I, I, I'll tell you what, the, 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 the real talk is like, okay, how much confidence does this team have? Uh, Aaron Boone, is he going to be secure in his job? You know, we talked about Dave Roberts, you know, blowing it again for the Dodgers. The Dodgers came out and made a statement. Well, yeah, you know, we're, we're sticking with, with Dave Roberts. Trust me, Steve, if this team loses this series, the Yankees, and if they get swept or they lose in five games, you know how the New York uh, situation is, man. They are going to be that. They're going to be swirling that around, and that's legitimate because a lot of people didn't think Aaron Boone should have got the job for the first place. He had no managerial experience at all, and now you go into the Big Apple, and now you're, you know, managing a team with you know a two hundred you know plus million dollar payroll, and you can't get the job done. You faltered after the All Star break, and now you're going to lose to Houston again if that happens. So I mean, that's what everyone's talking about around the Yankee circles. It's, it's a huge advantage, isn't it, uh, TC? We, I mean, we're, we, we love Dusty, but it, the, the, the managerial advantage here is, is, is great and, and, and in Houston's favor. 100%. I mean, a veteran like Dusty, and we talked about it before, he's the only guy that could have come in here and taken this job under these circumstances going back in 2020. And uh, he just, you know, has total command of the clubhouse. These players love him. And, again, he's a guy that, you know, manages, you know, from his gut, great feel, 
He uses the analytics. He does get a lot of, you know, stuff that comes from upstairs. And I can tell you firsthand, personally, you know, I see how he reacts to that. And he has no problem of telling the guys in the upper management, you know, no, I don't want to do this. I'll give you an example here. When the trading deadline, I was here. I was with him, you know, when the trading deadline happened here back in July. And they wanted to basically replace Yuri Gurriel and uh, and Maldonado, the catcher in the first baseman situation. And Dusty says, no, these are my guys. You know, what you don't understand about Gurriel, this guy has done it all. This guy played in the World Baseball Classic. He played, you know, played in Cuba. And here's what people do not understand. When you come from a country like that, you play for your right to eat. And this is no joke. This is serious. That guys get paid when you play in foreign countries like that, especially down the Dominican Republic and in Cuba and countries like that. If you don't produce, you don't eat. And that is true. And a lot of people do not understand that unless you've been there and you've witnessed it. Or, you, you know, again, you talk to people like Dusty who have, who have lived it with these players. So it's like, okay, you know, Yuri Gurriel has, you know, when you have to, to fight for your job, you know, here in the United States, like you signed a big contract, you feel like, okay, it's, it's a cushion thing. That's why Gurriel is in his you know, mid to late 30s, and he continues to work harder than anybody else. And when you have guys like that, you, you don't want to discard those guys. So management said, hey, we get guys like Trey Mancini or Vasquez, are you going to play him? Dusty says, yeah, I'm going to play him, but, you know, they're, they're going to have to fit in where they fit in, and we're not going to make these household changes unless guys are really, really struggling. So he's done a fantastic job of managing that situation, and look at the results. I mean, 106 wins, uh, number one seed throughout the playoffs now. Uh, so, again, yeah, it, it's great to have a manager like Dusty who has a great feel for the game. And, and has a relationship with these players, and these players love them. TC, in the uh, National League Championship Series, it's 1-1. Philadelphia got one on the road in San Diego. They now go back to Philadelphia tomorrow. Your thoughts on the, uh, on the National League Championship Series, how it plays out the rest of the way. On, uh, in tomorrow's game, it's going to be Musgrove versus Suarez for Philadelphia. You know, I think pitching matchup in favor of San Diego – I like Musgrove. I'm not a Suarez guy. And this is where Philadelphia gets themselves in a little bit of trouble. You know, game one and two starters, those guys are great. You got Wheeler and you got Nola, but then there's a severe drop-off. And then there's a drop-off in the bullpen as well, too. But, well, that being said, Philly has a great home field advantage as well, too. They play so much better at home. And talk about, you know, you know this place here at Minute Maid Park where these Astro fans just show out. I mean, Philly is the exact same way. They haven't been in the postseason since 2011. You saw what they did against the Braves. So I think Philly's going to rise up here. And, uh, you know, even though they don't have a pitching advantage in game number three, I think they win two out of the three games in Philly. But it's kind of a, a hard series to to pick. I mean, look what happened in game number two. The first score we saw yesterday was Philly got up 4 nothing. Then next thing you know, it's, you know, it's 4-2. Next thing you know, the Padres come battling back. And then win the game eight five. So, uh, I think this that series will probably go seven games. So it's a hard series to figure. I, I'm with you there. I I I, I took uh, Philadelphia both games in San Diego and, and and split there. I don't know what to do with tonight's game. I I feel like Musgrove's a better pitcher, but Philadelphia's at home and the, and, the, and the price doesn't really give me anything to work with. So I'm, I'm going to skip tonight's game, see how it goes, and then then maybe we'll have some wagering down the line. 
Yeah, and that, and that, remember, they play. It's a travel day for them, so they actually play tomorrow. So the only game on the docket tonight is this one, the Yankees and, and the Astros. So you got another day, Stevie, to, to contemplate that and, and think about it and handicap a little bit more. I, I, I think I still think I'm going to skip it. I still think I'm yeah, going to skip yeah. that one. All right. Yeah, so, I agree. I, I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, now, so uh, obviously we're, we're we're thinking that that Valdez has the game tonight. So that would that would put Houston up two nothing if that happens. How do you think the rest of the series plays out between the Yankees and the Astros? So when they go to New York, obviously that's gonna you know the crowd will be electric in New York and probably advantage Yankees for Game Three if they start Garrett Cole. And I think one of the reasons why Boone and I give him a little bit of credit here uh, for starting Cole at home instead of here in Houston. I think that he he would freak out a little bit here, and he's one of those guys. That just uh, he, he's kind of schizo with his personality and everything, and plus it'll be his regular rest. So I probably think advantage Yankees in Game Three. McCullers will go, who's a veteran. He's used to pitching on the road, so Dusty's got no problem with with McCullers pitching on the road. Uh, but you know, probably advantage Yankees in that Game Three. That's why tonight's pretty pivotal because the Yankees want to come out here with a split because they think they have an advantage coming up in the next game. Astros want to win this game. They want to be up 2-0 and then, you know, kind of see what happens from there. But I still think it's the Astros series just because of the the pitching question marks, especially in the bullpen that the Yankees have. And, again, I mean, any team that strikes out 17 times the way they did last night and just you know, not looking good at all. I mean, think about it. The Yankees did not have a hit after the second inning last night. Astros just shut them down. So, that's how I think that part's going to go. I'll tell you this, Stevie. Here's an interesting part, too. So talking with Dusty last night after the game, it was like, you know, Major League Baseball dictates everything, and especially in the postseason. So tonight the roof is going to be opened here at Minute Maid Park, and the Astros not, are not happy about that. Now, you'll read reports that say, oh, the Astros uh, have elected to, uh, you know, open the roof tonight. It's not their call. Major League Baseball you know, is, is making that call. They have a meeting before prior to game number one where they meet with the managers and, and the brass and, and and everybody. It sits in this meeting and they go, okay, here's what we're doing for this series. And there's, there's other changes, like more mound visits allowed and other things of that nature. And they go, we're going to open the roof. And frankly, you know, you know, Dusty wasn't really happy about that because the Astros have only played three games all season with an open roof. They played 84 games at home to date, you know, the 81 regular season games and the three postseason games. And so they're not used to really playing with this roof open. And what it does, now tonight there's really no win to speak of, but when you open it, 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 it causes the ball to carry more towards right field. And, uh, and again, there are Major League Baseball, you know, conspiracy theorists who think like, oh, okay, well, Major League Baseball wants, you know, you know the Yankees to, to win. And there, there is – a little bit of validity, believe it or not, you know, about that. You know, the Yankees, and especially if they fall behind, Major League Baseball wants the series to go the way, and the Yankees are America's darling. That's why the Yankees are involved in the primetime games, the nighttime games all the time, and they're a home run hitting team too. So that actually could help them a little bit here, but uh, they are dictating that because uh, it's a little warmer day here in Houston. It was a high of 81, but uh, – you know, it, it's just an interesting little kind of subplot of like if it was up to the Astros, they'd keep it closed because basically, you know, they're used to playing this way here. It's happened before, um, TC. It's happened in Milwaukee and it's happened in Toronto, mm-hmm. and and I believe 
in those cases as well, uh, the clubs wanted the roof closed, and Major League Baseball said, no, the roof will be open. So the, yes. the, there's something about Major League Baseball wanting the roof open in the playoffs. And I'll take yeah, and you know what it is? <laughs> this is going to sound really weird to a lot of the people, but this is it. It's better for television. It gives you better sight lines. And they want the, you know, to, to see the open sky, and they want to be able to have those aerial shots. That's really what it's all about because it aesthetically it has a better appeal on television. That is the truth. All right. Hey, I got a feeling. No, I, 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 I believe you. That, that, that does make sense. But I, and that's I, coming straight. That's not me. That's not me. That's coming straight from, from the horse's mouth. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I, I get you. And I, 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 on the one hand, I understand that. But again, I, if you're the home team, it, in my opinion, it should be your call. And I, and I felt that way in Toronto and Milwaukee in those cases as well. Yeah, it, yeah. Postseason, Major League Baseball dictates everything. From the amount of tickets that the that the players and the teams get to the location of the seat to what they're doing from start times, everything the team has has no say whatsoever. Grounds crew, all of that stuff. If the grass needs to be cut, it's Major League Baseball that uh, states that. It's crazy, Stevie. Every little thing here, and, and I've seen this over the years. It's uh, it's insane, but that's what they do. They're in control. Uh, you you play one sixty two, and the, and the guy with the better record, you know earns home field advantage and then in you know in this case doesn't really get home field advantage in certain aspects i mean you're right they look like hey you're getting to host the game you get the bat last you get to have you know your fans uh here so that's that but everything else you know it just even the design of the field i mean if you look at the field now you've got you know corporate sponsors and you got more paint on the field and all that kind of stuff it's kind of funny so but uh yeah I'm a, another thing that I wanted to, to, to point out as well, too, if you don't mind, is that I was kind of blown away how few Yankee fans were here last night. And as you know, Yankee fans are everywhere. They travel exceptionally well, and they usually you know, make a lot of noise, buy up tickets, travel well, and, uh, and they're prevalent in every visiting stadium. When you, I swear, I saw very few guys in Yankees jerseys last night in the stands. And if my guess was, I bet there was probably less than maybe 500, 400 of 40,000 fans here that uh, were Yankee fans. And it was quiet. When they hit the two solo homers, it was very, very quiet, which is abnormal because, again, whether it's Boston, whether it's Chicago, wherever they go, I mean, a lot of times they take over those stadiums. You've seen the way it is in Tampa. I mean, but credit to the Astros fans for not selling their tickets to the Yankee fans. And I thought that that was pretty cool last night, that it was really a home field advantage. Because when the Yankees, and Dusty talked about this, he said when the Yankees were here um, during the course of the regular season, he goes, there was, there was probably, you know, five to 10,000 Yankee fans in these games. But not last night. And as I'm looking around the stadium right now, as people are just starting to walk in, don't see many Yankee uh, jerseys right now. I just wanted to ask you, watching the game last night, Alex Bregman, he's, he's fallen off a little bit. He, he still has, you know, he had 23 homers this year, drove in, I think, 93. So it's not like he's not doing anything, but he doesn't really feel like the guy that he once was. Oh, 0 for 3 last night. A- any signs of him kind of waking up? 
Yeah, you know, that's a great point. Uh, because when you rattle off those stats, it seems like he had a quiet year. But, you know, 23 homers, 90 RBI is still pretty good. Yeah. You know, he's a gold glover. I mean, he's he's a fantastic guy at third base, one of the better third basemen in the league defensively. But, yeah, Greggy, he's struggled. And he, he knows that he's struggled, too. And, you know, they've moved him around a little bit. He's sitting in that four hole uh, where earlier in the season he hit some two, he hit some three hit some five and you know, he's not your prototypical four hole hitter, but you got to get Alvarez a bat, you know, uh, in the first inning, you got to hit him in the number three hole. So it definitely makes sense. And especially when Brantley went on the IL and was lost for the season, you know, a couple months ago. And, uh, I don't know. It just, with, with Bregman, he can get hot, but he's still pretty steady and witnessed by, you know, evident by those stats that you just reeled off. So, but, yeah, he's not as consistent as you'd like to see. He doesn't have a lot of the big hits like you'd like to see. And the guys that are starting to make the noise now are Alvarez and, uh, and, and, um, and of course, uh, Jeremy Pena, like you mentioned. But, you know, Jose Altuve is the big thing that everyone's talking about. Altuve is what 0 for 20 right now, has not got a hit in the postseason. And Altuve is another one of those guys where he just, you know, he's, he, he starts messing around. He wants to mess with his swing, and he starts chewing his fingernails more, and then it kind of affects his play in the field as well, too. He's got to get going. So last night he swung at the very first pitch of the game, which he does a lot, but he did that because he wants to snap out of his slump, and he hit a ball really, really hard, but it was you know deep for an out in center field. But then after that, he continued to struggle again. And uh, you know, kind of like Bregman, a lot of times these guys are – are, are guessing, you know, wrong, and they get in prolonged slumps. So something to watch out for. But, hey, if I told you that, you know, like, as you know, that the Astros are 4-0 in the postseason and your leadoff hitter, your all-star, Jose Altuve, former MVP, has batting zero, what would you think? <laughs> I think we're in pretty good shape. You got to figure he's snapping out of that. Right? Right. So – He's taking extra batting practice again today, and uh, but man, uh, you know once he snaps out, I mean watch out for the Astros. But hey, they're they're playing so well with him struggling. And again, you have to have your leadoff hitter, you know, uh, uh, you know, on point if you want to go, you know, deep in the postseason. Well, if you see anything in batting practice, let him know, TC. Help him out. <laughs> That's it. You know, uh, I, I will let him know. But Jose's kind of a free swinger, you know, but. You know, and Jose gets a bad rap for people that don't know him. Dude, he is one of the most beloved guys in this city and this team. Dusty loves the heck out of him. One of his his all-time favorite players. Guy is great for the community. He's great with his teammates. You know, he's great with fans. Uh, So you you hate to see a guy like that struggle because he does uh, put on his shoulders. And, uh, you know, he just he takes it to heart. But, uh uh, he really is a great guy, I man. I've, I've loved my time here the last couple of years, getting a chance to know him. Hey, TC, thanks for the time. Thanks for the coverage of the uh, ALCS in Houston. Uh, we're gonna, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back with uh, Jay Cornegay from the Westgate. Uh, again, thanks, TC. Have a great time. Bring him some more luck tonight, bud. Stevie, appreciate you again uh, for filling in the last couple of days. Keep on keeping on, brother. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, buddy. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with Jay Cornegay from the Westgate. 
The T.C. Martin Show. There's only one thing we know for sure. The Giants of New York took on the Packers of Green Bay. The Dr. T.C. Martin. He was a most ripping victory by kicking an oblong ball made of pigskin to a big H. The Doctor is now in. Mark Knopfler in Dire Straits from back in the day when MTV was really a thing. Stevie Slapshot back with you on this Thursday afternoon. Let's head on down to the Westgate. Jay Cornegay on the line. How you doing, Jay, on this Thursday? Hey, uh, pretty good. Yeah. Had a kid. before the storm a little bit, uh, but uh, it's starting to pick up as we had, uh, you know, uh, football and the bases are uh, right around the corner. Right. Football, it's if I remember correctly, like the first couple of weeks, the, the public got the better of the books, but since then, the, the books, have, it's been a pretty steady hold for you guys, right? Oh, yeah, um, especially here. You know, we operate in so many different jurisdictions, and it's really interesting. You know, it's still kind of a new game for us when we look into these other states, and, you know, we had uh, uh, mixed results this uh, past weekend. You know, New Jersey actually has been pretty tough for us because you, you think about it, uh, you know, you got the Jets doing well. You got the Giants, football Giants, doing really well. You got the Yankees. You got the Phillies and the Eagles. You know, and all all those teams have a part of New Jersey in them. And so, uh, New Jersey has been struggling. But for us in Nevada and some of these other states, it's been very, very positive. Hey, Jay, uh, Dak Prescott announced today. Now, according to him, the, the Cowboys haven't really said anything. But but Dask Prescott has said he's going to start this Sunday. So you immediately take down the number and then and then readjust. How how does that work for you down there at the West? Well, Coast? yeah, it's already built in for the okay. most part that uh, we had him, uh, you know, eighty percent chance that he was going to uh, start. So that still remains the same. But when we hear those type of situations. And you got to look, you know, in between the lines. You got to take all the information that you can. And I, I think what you see out there on the market is that Prescott is most likely going to start, but we don't know a hundred percent if he's going to do that. We've heard that from other football players over the years, right. where they said, "I'm going," and you know, they end up sitting on the bench and they're not even active. So uh, we we take it uh, a little bit more than a grain of salt, but um, it's it's about an eighty percent chance that uh, he's going to, you know, take the field on Sunday. Right, I'm I'm, I'm with you on that, and it, like I said, it was when, when I saw it on Twitter, I, I made note of the fact that he said that, and there there wasn't really any follow up from the coach or the Cowboy organization. So you have you have to hedge a little bit on that. There's the possibility that maybe he doesn't go, but as you say, he probably does. And then yeah, and, I'm. I'm sorry, I'm go sorry. ahead. Yeah, Stevie. Yeah, what I was going to say is that, you know, you got a pretty much seven flat around town. Um, if it's 100%, you know, what's going to happen is we'll probably see this on Sunday morning, you know, if not sooner. But Sunday morning, when it is 100% sure that he's going to take the field, and it could be, uh, you know, it could be 6 o'clock in the morning, it could be 8.30 uh, in the morning, an hour and a half before kickoff, you'll probably see those sevens go on the high side of that, whether it's seven minus 20 or even seven and a half. And then in college football, I'm really putting myself out here, Tolua Tagli-Vailoa, am I, am I even close? For, for, for Maryland, is, is apparently questionable, which 
shocked me because he got carted off last game and then had an MRI. And usually when those two things happen, it means games are missed. But uh, according to the head coach at Maryland, he is truly a game-time decision. So we'll see how did that affect the Maryland line against Northwestern. Well, that I mean, those situations on, on something like that, and every situation is a little different, you know, and we're kind of leaning on the side of caution that he's probably not going to play, but even if he does get out there, he's not 100%. Right. So, you know, you, then you have to grade how much that's worth to the line. And so we're kind of in between on that one as we're not sure exactly, but we're kind of leaning that he's not going to play. But if he does play, he's, you know, probably less than 70%. Also in college football, Jay, what the heck is going on in Alabama? And I'm imagining that you've made some money on them because people, you know, whatever the number is, they they just lay it with Alabama. They're taking way too many penalties. And, and I got to tell you, and I know it's Nick Saban, but it, it feels like watching some of the games, there are times when he's getting out coached this year. Yeah, I mean, I've seen bits and pieces of it. Um, you know, you say that everybody bets Alabama, and they normally do. But I'll tell you, uh, last weekend, everybody was on Tennessee. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, even though that line went up, uh, there was some movement in the market uh, late that morning uh, on uh, Alabama where we saw all those seven-and-a-half shoot. It really wasn't uh, necessarily money that was coming in. It was just um, the market moving that way and got up to nine, nine-and-a-half at some places. But everybody uh, was on Tennessee. We really That was our biggest decision, one of the biggest decisions of the year, if not the biggest one in college football. And you can only imagine how we did in Tennessee. Right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, in Tennessee, uh, really, that took a hit up there, which is fine. But uh, in, when, when a team like Alabama fails to cover, uh, like they have done this year. Right. A lot of people uh, are quick to jump off that wagon. Uh, it's really what have you done for me lately. And so Alabama, I mean, I, I think I think it was sold during that Texas game. When they, they barely won that game and obviously didn't cover, uh, a lot of people were not touching Alabama. And so uh, the betters are, you know, one, one of the faults, for uh, let's say novice betters is what you know have you done for me lately rather than looking at the bigger picture but they certainly look at what happened last week and, and weigh in too much of last week's results into what they do this present week and uh, alabama was a building story for them because they were not cashing tickets on alabama so uh i can't say they've been su- supporting the tide uh, after I'd say after maybe two or three games into the season, they uh, basically uh, you know they were neutral. They weren't really betting against them except for the Tennessee game. But prior to that, they were not betting against Alabama. They just weren't betting for them. Well, that again, that surprised me a, a little bit, Jade. I I, I get fully the uh, the last thing you see is is you know is what's true. In, in, in the public's mind, but I'm, I'm surprised that they would jump off of uh, Alabama that quickly. Uh, let's move to the baseball playoffs. You mentioned that at, at the opening. Uh, I, I thought the Mariners had a shot to do something this year. That didn't happen. That cost my wallet some money. Uh, Tampa hurt me a little too. Uh, basically broke even with Cleveland, but 
Uh, I was riding Philadelphia and San Diego, so I'm I'm ahead just a little bit. How how are the MLB playoffs going for the books? Uh, fantastic. Uh, we one of the biggest liabilities that we've had in a long time were on the Mariners. It was really unfortunate because I wanted to root for the Mariners. Yeah. But uh, you know, I really thought they, you know, going into that that series uh, um, against the Rays, and it was like they. Um, you could tell they had a lot of mojo. They were very loose. Uh, they were playing with the, the house's money, right? Yeah. And going into that Houston series, you could tell. I mean, they could have easily won those first two games. Uh, and they were probably playing the best team in the league and took them down to the wire. Um, you know, because I was telling guys, if, if, they, if they beat the Astros, they're going to beat whoever comes out, you know, of the, the Yankee series. And... Um, I was uh, a little nervous about that just because we, we had so much liability on them, and not just in Nevada, but other jurisdictions. Because if you remember, they were, I don't know, 10 or 12 games or something like that below 500 in, in uh, early summer, and they were as high as 300 to 1. And at those odds, you know, it, it doesn't take much to start accumulating liability. And you, you move it down from 300 down to 200. 200 down to 100, down to 50. I mean, you still have 50 to one odds out there, and you're, you know, and you're starting to take in this money. And we took some larger bets uh, in, in multiple jurisdictions on the Mariners. So, as much as I wanted to root for them, I just couldn't do it this uh, this fall. But uh, the, the action has been terrific. I think the games have been great. Uh, the intensity. Uh, uh, I'm a baseball fan, so the baseball playoffs, no matter who's playing. Um, I'm, you can count that uh, I'm probably watching it. But uh, tonight looks pretty solid. I mean, really balanced. More more Yankee action than I thought. I mean, the ticket count looks like it's all on the Astros. Well, let's just call it 65-35 on the Astros as far as ticket count. But the money, the bigger money, is on the Yankees tonight. But we still sit at Astros minus 133. The total is 7 under 15. I, I noticed that that the line that the line has come down. Did, did didn't Houston open about one fifty? Am I right? Uh, let's see. Uh, um, I'm going to just give you ours. Yes, we were we were as high as one fifty six. Okay. So, uh, but uh, yeah, we opened. It looks like we opened at one fifty. Yeah, and then got we got bumped up to one fifty six, and then from that point, it's just getting lower. As we speak, as we uh, let's see, we're yeah, we're at one thirty-three, as I just mentioned, minus one thirty-three plus one twenty-three, seven under fifteen. So, so the betters, you think, are figuring with a full night's sleep now that the Yankees might play better tonight? <laughs> yeah, well, there's some out there that think that. There's uh, others that think that the Astros are going to go up to Neil, and uh, you know, like I said, the ticket count looks like most of the public money is on the Astros but seems to be some of the bigger plays right now on the Yankees. But uh, you make a valid point. You know, they were – they looked tired. Uh, Did they? And, uh, and yeah, yeah, yesterday I thought they looked a little tired, and, and that's understandable. So sure. maybe a, yeah, maybe a, a full night off and, and, and getting some sleep, maybe even sleeping in today will do them good. So in the uh, National League Series, like, like I said, I've, I've been riding San Diego and Philadelphia through the playoffs. I had – Philadelphia, uh, both games in San Diego, so I split that. So I'm ahead there. Tonight's game, I have no idea what to do with. I, I think I'm just going to stay away from it. But I would imagine 
that there's a lot of future play on San Diego and Philadelphia. Yeah, and, and you might have some, mm-hmm. uh, some, uh, 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 what's the word? Liability. Liability yeah. is the we, word. Yeah, we do. Uh, we, we have some on the Phillies for the, the pennant and a little bit on the World Series. But, um, you know, after the Mariners, our second biggest liability heading into the baseball playoffs were the Padres. And uh, the Padres got a lot of attention. Um, they've always been kind of a popular team this year for some reason, but especially after the trade. Now, once the trade, the Soto trade, and all those additions that they made, they've been a real fan favorite. And and I can understand, in, you know, the attraction to them. I think they're fun to watch. I think they got a lot of great personalities on that team. And if you aren't uh, Phillies or Astros or Yankees or Dodgers, you know, a fan, you know, this is the team, you know, you're, you know, there's not that many people that really dislike the Padres. So if, uh, you know, you dislike uh, all those other teams that have been around and have had success, you know, you're probably rooting for the Padres. So uh, again, looking at uh, the game tomorrow night, it looks like, you know, there, it, it, the trend continues. It, it looks like about 80%, 85% of the tickets, I know it's in the early going, but 85% of the tickets are on the Padres for tomorrow night's game. In the NBA, we've got a couple of games tonight, uh, Jay. Uh, one really interesting, I don't, I don't know if a lot of people know this, the Clippers have owned the Lakers in the regular season lately. It, it's very lopsided. And and I noticed the, the, the public or maybe even the Sharps are, are, are betting the Clips. I think they opened like three and a half and they're up to five and a half. Yep, that's exactly what happened. Uh, we're at five and a half. It's been going up and it's more of a market as the market moves it. And uh, uh, you just see people moving and following it as, you know, they're trying to get a balance to it. But even with that move, the majority of uh, the money, majority of the tickets are in the Clippers. That loyalty that we've seen on the Lakers is uh, pretty much gone at this point. How how is the NBA opened up the season for you? That, especially this last season, there's been a lot of movement. Like Utah got rid of all their guys. Uh, one of those guys went to Cleveland. I think Cleveland's going to be a little bit better this year. So how how difficult is it for you to make numbers when you don't really know how these guys are going to play together with, with so many new you know new faces on in, in new clubs. Well, I leave it up to our NBA guys because they really follow it closely. And, you know, Ed Sammons, Jeff Sherman, Jeff's a really big NBA guy, and, and I leave it up to them and, you know, to make those type of adjustments to how they feel, how, you know, uh, you know, the, the, what, what these roster changes that we're seeing, um, you know, they, they make those adjustments. And, and you know, we kind of go through that quite a bit, you know, almost every sport, uh, maybe a little bit more so going into this NBA season. But I leave it up to those guys because they follow it very closely, and I have all the confidence in the world. As you know, those two guys I, I I've been working with for over thirty years, so I got a lot of trust in them. They better be right. <laughs> and the and the limits the limits are the same, Jay. In other words, you you don't lower the oh, limits yeah. a little bit till you get a feel for the teams. No, okay. no, no, right out of the gate, they're all the same. All right, fire away down at the Westgate. Um, <laughs> How, how, how about the uh, the opening to the hockey season? How's that going for you? I know the, the Knights won their first three games, so that probably cost you a little bit. But how about the rest of the league? How are you doing in the NHL? Yeah, it was uh, pretty interesting, uh, especially the home opener. I, you know, uh, there was a lot of action on that game against the Blackhawks. And, and um, 
I remember that uh, we had a lot of, you know, they were pretty big favorites. They were like three-something. Um, but, you know, it's, with, with those type of spreads, uh, you're looking at, you know, everybody in town feels like that's the goal line, right? And mm-hmm. uh, I was actually at that game, you know, the Chicago game, and we're watching it, and, I, I, you know, it was a one nothing game. It wasn't a great game. Uh, but uh, as soon as Chicago pulled their goalie, you know, I was like, oh, here it goes. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, and uh, I'm not sure if you saw it, Stevie, but, uh, you know, the Blackhawks, uh, or excuse me, the Knights hit the, the goalpost. Um, yeah, I think it was Stone, wasn't it? I think it was. Yeah. And the other time it just went wide, but it looked like it was going in. I was like, yeah. oh, here you go. And, you know, I don't care. It's like, I understand it. You know, I'm rooting for the team and whatever happens, happens. But I was like, I was kind of happy to see them at that goal. Yeah, yeah. That was opening night, and there certainly was a lot of action on the night's goal line. And I think uh, tonight will be something uh, similar, but maybe not to the extent that we saw that first home game. I, I know that uh, you you love putting out props. Uh, do you do you do props on the night's power play, which is much better this year? We haven't specifically done the power play yet, but that's a good idea. You know, I I, I know that it looks a lot better. They, they seem to uh, move the puck a lot faster and around a little bit more, giving them more options. You can certainly tell the difference in uh, you know the, this year's power play. And I know the other teams are going to adjust to it. But in the early going, um, it looks 100% better in my eyes. Uh, and uh, you know, putting up a prop on, on something like that uh, is probably a good idea. We haven't yet, but it's probably a good idea. So thank you for that one. Well, you got you have good eyes, Jay, because they're they're now getting the puck to the middle of the ice, which before they were just passing around. It looked like an umbrella play for for whatever reason, and weren't getting yeah. it to the middle. When you get the puck to the middle, that forces the defense to move. And then you've got open guys, you know, somewhere. There's, there's space now created somewhere, and they, they get the puck to that guy, and, and they've got a, a quality scoring chance. So it's, it's well, definitely. Yeah, it's like, it, it is. I mean, it's, I mean, the old power play was uh, around the perimeter, yeah. and they would hold it forever. It, yeah. was like, it was like, I, I could almost call it. It's like, okay, it's going over to Marshall. All right, Marshall is going to hold it, and then watch this. He's going to throw it right back up to Stone. <laughs> Okay, and I watch this. He's gonna get you know get it over to Riley, and and it's like, I mean, you could almost call it. It was like the Denver Bronco offense. You oh know? my god! It's like you could you you could you could make the call. You know, very first down of, I mean, the first down Broncos running up the middle. That's the exact. I mean, it's easy call. That's how the power play looked. You know, with the night, uh, you know, last year, this year, as you said, the middle. But not only that. They're moving it around a lot quicker than they did in the years past. They, they are, and 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 the other guy you could maybe put some props up, uh, Logan Thompson. Just, he's fantastic. I I mm-hmm. cannot believe mm-hmm. you know with, with the limited amount of NHL games that this guy has played that that he's as good as he is, and he he's really quiet in there, doesn't panic. He he's been really good for the Knights. Oh, he's he's been off the charts. I mean, he's really. You could say that he won that game one because Chicago had some, you know, opportunities there, and Logan Logan really bailed them out, especially in the first and third period. And then the other night, he just kept them in the game. Uh, you know, I don't know how many uh, was a thirty something, thirty seven, thirty eight days. Yeah, uh, a couple of them were just spectacular again. So uh, it's great to see. Maybe they got a fine there because they certainly needed it. 
Yeah, they, they, they do have a fine there. And, uh, and, and the guy in Henderson, Patera, I think is a, is a good uh, goaltender. And then they've got um, Isaiah Seville uh, down in the junior. So uh, they, they, their, their goaltending is, is fine for, for, for the future, Jay, in my opinion. You brought up the Broncos. I got to ask you now, what, what's going on there? Is, is Russell starting to show age or is he just not used to this new offense? And, and is the public fading Denver and playing the under? Well, it's a combination of things in my eyes. Um, it's it's uh, part Russell. It's part uh, offensive line. It's part uh, receivers not getting separation, uh, and it's play calling. Um, so it's it's just a, a recipe for disaster right now. Um, I I'm really disappointed not only in Russell missing open receivers. I'm also disappointed in Judy and Sutton not getting separation. Right. They have a tight, you know, they just finally got the rookie tight end back, but their tight ends were non-existent prior to that last uh, Monday night game against the Chargers. Um, but the play calling, uh, what I don't understand is no, there's like no misdirection. There's very little motion. There's certainly no rollouts, you know, and, and, uh, um, very little uh, play action. Um, so it's really a vanilla offense. I mean, it, it's like a 101, and, and I don't understand it. But um, it's, you know, even my, you know, I'm in fantasy football, and even my fantasy websites say Hackett is in way over his head. It feels you know? that way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, I, and then when they show the sideline and they're all there, it, it's almost like he's not calling the play. It's like he's asking the others what you know the play is. It's like, hey guys, what do you what do you guys think about this one? You know, and they're all looking. Wait, aren't you the coach? Aren't you going to call? You're calling the play. Yeah. And then and then they go out there, and I mean that some of the calls in the red zone and that one against the the Colts was just ridiculous. They I think they had um, I don't know. It, it had a similar situation against the Chargers. They ran it down. You know, they get basically we're getting four yards a clip on running, and then. Um, you know, they had that one play against the Colts, either to win it or lose it, and they had fourth and one from, like, the four-yard line so they could get a first down, but they they set up in a shotgun formation. No motion, nothing moving, straight-up shotgun formation, and I was like, oh, my God, this is, this is not going to be good. And uh, sure enough, he stood in the pocket and tried to hit somebody on the slant, and after – you know, standing there for about, you know, a couple of seconds and, and trying to force it in there, uh, just had no chance of completing that. And, uh, it's, I, I just don't understand the play calling. It's, uh, as a Bronco fan, it's very, very frustrating to watch that team. I, I can see where that, where that would be. Uh, Jay, thanks for the time this afternoon. The, the Superbook has an app, correct? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We, we got a uh, full-blown app, and uh, you know we got a, a promo going. It, you know, you uh, bet a hundred, you get a hundred for new accounts, and uh, uh, you set that up, and you get a free uh, hundred-dollar bet. So, um, you know, for those that uh, you know, listen, we got a lot of great uh, operators here in, in, in Las Vegas, and we shall be thankful for that. Um, but uh, if you don't have a Superbook account, you know, try us out. You know, uh, in, in comparison to. Uh, um, the others, I, I think, uh, you know, we will, we'll be able to give them different opportunities, different pricing, different odds, you know, and have a little variety in there 
palm of their hand. Yeah, sure. I can tell you from personal experience, boys and girls, that's absolutely the case with uh, Jay Cornegay and the crew at the Westgate Superbook. So download that app or hang, uh, get on over to the uh, to the Westgate and uh, get your wagers in over there. Uh, Stevie Slapshot with you on this Thursday, wrapping things up. Um, oh, podcasts and more can be found at the uh, tcmartinshow.com. Uh, Showtime shown. Oh, Showtime Sean Porter tomorrow will be down at the Westgate uh, filling in for TC. So keep it right here, AM 1400 KSHP. Stevie Slapshot signing off. Have a great weekend, everybody.